smile. Uh, but it looks like we're good to go. Good day. How are Hi. You doing, Hello. I'm good. What an introduction. <laughs> and now maybe we should we should try out something. Let's call this direct direct democracy and let's put it to a test. Do people want to see the scenery or the smile? Scenery or smile? Okay, chat. Let's put it to the people. <laughs> well, the first comment I have is, "What's the difference? They're both beautiful." Um, Aww. So, <laughs> then I'm gonna no, give them a little view. Is that okay? Yeah, let's there show we go. them. Let's show them. Yes. Let's show Look them. That. Who doesn't want to be there with you right now? Oh my gosh! You're all here with me today. <laughs> ah, there you go. Told you, everybody. Uh, we got some smiles. We got a smile. Yeah, they want your smile. Oh, <laughs> Thank I love you. it. it and we've had some great comments before the show started about you. So people mm. love you. People love you. I got to say that that love. I know often we say, oh, I love you. And it's this this statement that we don't put a lot of thought or meaning to. But I want to say that this is something where I genuinely, because of what we do and where we speak to, that support and that sense of community, it, it truly is. I love those whom who have stepped in in this way to support each of us who are doing whatever work we can to, to give voice today, to share truth, to educate, to, to just spread whatever needs to be spread and, and help our communities. And so for me, I feel genuine love from so many mm -hmm. and the, the amazing, authentic, heartfelt, intimate messaging that I get from people and, and, the way we connect like we're on we're all on such i think a journey that none of us would have ever anticipated five sure. years ago three years ago ten years ago ever and so this is new territory for all of us and that type of support from community and and authentically i'm, I'm telling you authentically i have received this and my love is genuine and and reciprocated uh and Mr. Sauerkraut just said that right there, Serena is genuine. So that's the correct mm -hmm. word here. And let's say hello <laughs> to our you. mutual friend, Island Jason, who set this up. He's the one that reached out and said, we got to get Serena on. Island Jason, we love you, buddy. And I hope everything's Thank you. Your and I love you too, Jason. I love you. I miss you. And blessings to your family. Beautiful there soul. There we go. Sharing the love mm -hmm. with everybody. This is going to be a great episode. I'm looking forward <laughs> to this. <laughs> um, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rewind you a bit. I want to get to the young warrior, the little warrior. Um, and we'll start there and we'll talk about, you know, where you came from, where did you grow up and uh, how did you become such a strong matriarch? Hmm. The young warrior. Hmm. I come from, her? I do remember her. I've been reflecting upon her a lot this last two years. I'm going to, I'm going to be honest about that. I come from, my mom is Cree and from my matriarchal lineage, um, my five, five grandfathers back. Um, my Chapan, which means great-grandfather in Cree, he was a signatory to Treaty 8. He was, a, he was an orator of the people, and his brother, Chief Kinuseo, was also one of the signatories to Treaty 8. So they would have both been, in my culture, Chapan. They both would have been my grandfathers. And so my journey began, I would say, long before I ever came into existence, because th these are the traits of we have a long line in my family from my mother's side, my matriarchal lineage of giving voice or, or stepping forward in different ways. And so my mom, as a young woman, married my father, who was an immigrant to this country. He was born in Jerusalem, Palestine, and he escaped Palestine when the war first began 
between Israel and Palestine. And so he fled to come to Canada to escape the war. And he met my mother and he was an entrepreneur and a businessman. And my mother was a young First Nations woman. And together they had 10 children. I'm the seventh wow. of 10 children. And then when I was five years old, my, uh, my Baba, my father passed away of cancer. Sorry. And um, I have an amazing, beautiful stepdad who is a farmer a, um, from Alberta and, and the typical Canadian guy. And, and my life has been very diverse. I also have, um, because I have so many siblings, my, my immediate family is extremely diverse. I have family that wears the hijab. I have family that's learned with elders and sits in ceremony and in teachings and, and assists in using our first nation teachings. I have I, every walk of life. I have Ukrainian uh, in-laws. I've had Vietnamese in-laws. I have Irish in-laws. Like we're very diverse in our family. And so for me, I come from a very diverse background and, and I grew up in a time where I, I, I did believe at one time that I grew up in and I changed my language around this, so I speak this carefully now because my right. language around this is different. But the way I viewed it growing up is that I was growing up among the two most hated demographics in Canada, First Nations and, and Arab. And especially mm. at a time when I was a young adult with 9-11 and, and so many of the different things that were the narratives being played in the media and, and on the international scale. Right. and. I say now for anybody listening after the past three years, if you're not reevaluating any narrative that's been spoon fed to you, then you're not looking deep enough and you're not doing, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. And so I don't subscribe to those narratives anymore because I'm not an equity deserving minority. I am a woman. I am strong. I come from strong bloodlines. I am a truth advocate. I have critical thinking. I am articulate and I am perfectly equipped in every way. I've always been that warrior. I've always been the person that never belonged in one group or subscribed to those types of hierarchies or realities. Because to me, I had to compromise myself to fit into them. And I couldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And so I was the person who was always welcome to walk among many different groups in, in school. And I was the person that if somebody was being bullied or somebody done something unjust, I, it just, it was my instinct to speak. And my words were always used even before I was conscious that I was using my words in this way. I was speaking up against the bullies and the injustices and, and really the lack of character that each and every one of us tend to show at different times in our journey. And I'm not exempt from that either. I have my moments of growth. Mm -hmm. And so these are the things that I always spoke to. That's where the young warrior began, I guess I would say. <laughs> And where did the young warrior learn that even when you're fighting for truth against bullies, it's not appreciated by everybody? Some people don't like that. Some people don't like hearing truth, especially the older people. So when you were a young warrior, did you run into a situation where you maybe stood up for yourself or stood up for someone else and was surprised Absolutely. at the reaction? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. In the most in the most intimate ways as a young child, when I spoke out about injustices that I personally had endured or was experiencing, there was absolutely a shame culture around it. And a shame culture was to silence you, to discredit mm -hmm. you and, and to to really um, ostracize you, because these are the steps that are necessary in order for people not to give voice to truth. 
And so I did experience that as a child. Absolutely, I did. Um, and I experienced this among adults. And I remember really having to sit with that as a child and what this meant and to feel my truth, my integrity being questioned. Right. You know, and and there were also experiences and times where I was not truthful and my integrity was questioned, but it was because of things as a child like, um, you know, somebody at one of us, because there were many of us, so we got into a lot of mischief. Mm -hmm. um, you know, thing. So I remember this one time, one of my siblings had done something, and my mom, my mom and dad lined us all up, and they said, "Okay, either whoever done it, you come forward, or all your siblings are getting in trouble." Right. And I stood there, and I remember thinking, "I don't want everybody to get in trouble. I don't want everybody to suffer." But nobody you was coming forward, so I took the blame. Yeah. I took the blame and I didn't do the thing. I didn't do the thing, but I took the blame because I was trying to prevent others from feeling. I was always that person who I know what I experienced and I wasn't somebody that turned bitter because of it. I wanted mm -hmm. to prevent others from feeling it. I wanted to learn from my experience and I wanted to help others to be able to prevent that kind of pain or that kind of hardship or loneliness or whatever it was that people were enduring or even that type of character. It seemed like so many people walk around unconscious of their behavior that a lot of it is, is trauma response, right? It's projections based on our trauma. So for me, I, I felt like so many people are just so unconscious. It's just about helping them. It's, it's supporting them. But in order to do that, I had to go on that journey first. I had to right. go on an intensive healing journey. And I did that as a young adult, a single mom, with a two-year-old and I went and learned with elders um, for almost 12 years I learned with them and, and I done this to delve into my healing journey, my experiences, my ancestry and to really these elders, they so strongly, they said that as medicine people we have a responsibility. They said that we must hold ourselves to the highest accountability always or we can never assist anybody else if we're not holding ourselves to that highest accountability. We must demonstrate it, we must model it, we must embody it, we must live it. That's how you bring it to life. That's mm -hmm. how you give voice and power to anything is by, by thinking it, speaking it and embodying it. And so that really touched me. And, and as I went through my initiation and my healing and was gifted the teachings and the permissions and then use these tools from from our using the medicine wheel i then i then began to support women in their healing journey i began to i walked into a lot of different spaces i've i've worked in women's shelters i've ran children's program with children exposed to family violence i've created pilot programs using these teachings um in the friendship center so that we could support our families in parenting and their own healing and in and in the healing of their children and so this is my background this is where i came from um in alberta and and then i found my way here to the coast was called to the coast and and i've been here now for six years and three of them have been about learning to stand on my own learning that i don't ever truly stand on my own and mm -hmm. and really weighing for me what it means to give voice to truth. Because when it comes down to, to what a warrior is, a warrior is the one who carries the burden of truth. That is what a right. warrior is. They are not a soldier. 
They are not somebody who takes orders. That's not what a warrior is. A warrior carries the highest burden and it's the burden of integrity. Because if you compromise the truth, you've compromised your integrity. And if you've compromised your integrity, you've compromised your soul. And if your soul is compromised, you cannot lead a people. You cannot heal a people. You can barely participate with the people because now you are the problem. So when we, when we sacrifice the truth and when we say, I'm not willing to carry this, whether it be from, again, those, those tactics that have been utilized when I was a child, which was to shame you, to censor you, to discredit mm -hmm. you, to silence you. When we see those same tactics today utilized by media, government, leadership, politicians, we have to say, wait a minute, these are the same bully tactics. These are also the same abusive tactics. These are not tactics of integrity. These are not tactics of leadership. These are not tactics that support community because what is a warrior? They carry the burden of truth, but it's because of love. A warrior is in service to their community, not to themselves, not to their own self aspirations, not to power, not to title, not to leadership. They are in service to their community because of love. They love themselves. They love their family. They love their community. So that's also why I give voice as a woman, because I have responsibilities as a woman, as my sacred role as a matriarch. I am in service to children and women and then my community in that order. I am in service to life. I am in service to, and, and that is natural and sacred law. And so as a matriarch and as a warrior, I have an obligation to carry this truth because these truths are what are going to heal our communities. These truths are what are going to fix our societies. And these truths are what we are going to build upon so that we can nourish our souls so that we're not living in these perverse societies we're living in. Every one of our communities are sick. And that's because we've built our societies in a way that do not nourish our soul. They are not built on natural and sacred law. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking mm -hmm. about natural and sacred law. And there is a difference. Yeah, and we'll get into that for sure. What I wanted to <laughs> touch on here is, is a soldier and the, the difference between a warrior and a soldier. So you're correct. A soldier is somebody who works for the day, tries to do something for the day, and can easily be extinguished and, and gone without much happening in the world. But a warrior is somebody who's laid down the truth. And this is why a warrior can't be killed. They have to be erased or they have to be attacked because their truth is also a legacy. So if someone's coming after you, they can't just that kill you. Right. <laughs> They have to try and erase they you. Have they have to, to try to discredit yeah. you. They have to cancel the truth that you've carried and the power that you've given to Correct. it. And so that's why they attack because you're actually not the one being attacked. The truth is being attacked. And the only way to get to it is to, to tear you down. And the only way to tear you down is if you allow it. See, if you want to be um, approved of, if you want to be accepted, if you, if you, if you, want the truth to be presented in a certain way, then, then you've already got expectations and you're probably going to fail. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just being in service to the truth and you're not caring how that truth, how you're being received in that, but instead you're doing justice to the truth, then in the end they can't cancel you. Nobody can cancel you because you're not looking for approval. Cancel culture wow. only exists among those who want approval. And our societies are built upon belonging because 
they know that we are literally engineered as men and women, biologically engineered for belonging. It's a survival instinct within us. Mm -hmm. And that's why they use ostracization to silence people. I remember a professor once telling me, ostracization is the cruelest thing we could ever do because of how we are engineered for connection. That's why they use it to punish people and silence people. So if you understand that, and you understand what the what the tactic is, you also understand what the solution is. And the solution is you build those supports. You The solution is you understand, You so long as you are in service and you have integrity in the truth and you deliver it well, it doesn't matter what criticism comes your way. It doesn't matter because you, you just keep carrying that truth. You are in service to that and that alone, not to men and women and society and, and belonging and those things. And, and then you build your supports beyond it, like our Island Jasons and like mm -hmm. our Jason Levines and, and like oh. our security teams and our media teams and our amazing people in the, in the comments who are sharing and liking and, and participating in and, and spreading this. And, and now not only that, but implementing this in their communities and in their, in their own understanding of what they're doing so that they can refine how they show up. Absolutely. And, and ostracization, it really triggers our exclusion. So we feel like our, our livelihood or even our, our security is threatened. Um, because back in the day, if we were excluded and kicked out of the village or the town, you're on your own and, and your life could be over soon. So we really Absolutely. trigger that self, the desire to, to, to secure ourselves with any means. Self-preservation, right? We there have to That's belong. It's like a herd mentality as well, right? Like we almost like herd or pack where it's like if you're outside of it, you're, you're right. Now you got to go find new territory. You could be picked off, preyed upon. It's, mm -hmm. It comes down to our basic primal um, instincts and tribal, even if you will. Yeah, and maybe that can take us into the natural and sacred law here because mm. that's kind of what's being triggered here. If somebody's trying to be canceled and they decide to give a false apology and just try to get rid of it and, and start to speak falsely to it, this is likely what's being triggered on their part. And maybe we can have people understand that, first, you're not threatened in that way. This is where the support you talked about comes in. But also that your integrity is all that you really have. If you decide to cash that in, then you're going to be spending a lifetime of trying to do that. Um, so maybe we can talk a little bit about the sacred and natural or natural, yeah, natural and sacred laws, uh, about first how maybe I want to say, absolutely. But first I just want to comment on what you're saying, but bring me back because I lose track. Okay, no problem. <laughs> so, so I just want to say like when you're absolutely right, what you're saying about the integrity there. And, and when we compromise that, when that, that's our soul, that is the boundary and the safeguard of our soul. So you compromise that you've just compromised the essence of your, of your soul. And so. Correct. What does that mean? We've all been watching for how many years? I'm going to say probably, what is it, the last decade? These zombie apocalypse narratives that were put forward. And that, that I mean, it's presented in a certain Hollywood way. But when we look at a society that is void of integrity and morals, that mm -hmm. is exactly what we have. And that is what we are seeing today. People who have lost their humanity because they've eroded their integrity. Right. Truth right. is interconnected. This is that is what what ensures our humanity as a species. And and we how many people have said today this is a fight for humanity now. 
This is it. That's what this is. And that is, that's our soul because you compromise that you compromise your soul. You compromise our humanity. You compromise our communities. And then we're all just empty zombies walking around, destroying each other. And they're compromising so, at an earlier age for sure. Now, absolutely. The, uh, the zombie uh, apocalypse narrative there that you noticed, you know, Hollywood put that out and all that kind of stuff. But what is the one thing that the zombies are always trying to destroy? Brains. They're trying to get rid of brains. So this might actually be the opposition to the zombie, which is intelligence, rational, articulation. We almost, as well, if, you know, and we'll come to that later, but if you look at these Antifa style, um, tactics that are being utilized today, they very much embody that energy of these, these wild, uh, nonsensical mobs of frenzy. Mm. And it's that zombie apocalypse feeling. And it's like, wow, look at this. And more and more of our youth are, are jumping onto this. But I'd like to come back to that when it's a little more relevant. But you were asking about natural and sacred law. So natural and sacred law, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give voice to this. Natural and sacred law, we all come from the same source. No matter the map we use, map being either our religion or spirituality, whatever tools right. it is, our culture or traditions, those are all maps. Our language, that's another map. So no matter the map, we all come from the same source. We all come from that same sacred place and these same teachings. We just have different maps of expressing the same things. That is the belief that I hold. That is, that is the truth that I've touched. Now, when we look at who and what we are from natural and sacred law, everything follows this natural and sacred law. So whether you're using quantum physics as another map to explain it, whether we're talking about spirituality tradition it doesn't matter we're speaking and describing the same thing using a different map and so when it comes down to it we are all just vibrating cells and atoms that's what we are we are frequency and everything is impacted by frequency from the thoughts we think to the words we speak to the actions we take we know that even that is impacting this we know science has shown us that our words impact the vibration of water and changes the water we are made of water. We are water. We are life-giving vessels, right? And so when we look at all of these things, we are interconnected, not only in this body that we haven't even begun to actually figure out the full capacity of how we can, and potential of how we can use it, but also this amazing intricate system that we're a part of. We know with the trees that they speak and that they have essence. We know that about everything, whether it's expressing like we are and expressing life the way we are, we know it's alive. It's a vibrating atom and it has a way of communicating in frequency. Whether we take the time to tap in and to communicate and connect to that frequency or not, that's on us. It's still alive and doing that and as is everything else. And so we are interconnected in this amazing system that again, we have barely begun to tap the potential of what this is. And we're eroding that now. We're eroding that. And so everything follows natural and sacred law. When we look at myself as a woman, I am a woman. I am a life-giving vessel. I am, I am a, I am a, I am the one, I carry the seats of creation within me through mm -hmm. my ovaries and my womb and my uterus. I, together in union with the male and the, 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 the female and the male, we bring this life in and then we nourish it and we're interconnected to it. Women, we are hypersensitive beings. We have to be. We're highly emotional because we're highly hypersensitive because we need to be attuned. That's our medicine. We literally need, are responsible for birthing life, bringing it into this realm, into this earth walk. And now we are tasked with being able 
to feel what this child needs. Are they hungry? Are they uncomfortable? Do they need to be held? Are they in distress? Do they need play? What do we do to nourish the soul? This is sacred law. And then when we look at sacred law and we look at what is nourishing, whether it be what we're eating, what we're experiencing, where we're sitting, the environments we're living in, the, the actions we're engaging in, all of these things impact our frequency and our environment and who and what we are. That's natural law. And so then when we look at now we've got women and we've got the children, we see this natural system of community evolving because women, we are the keepers of sacred law because of our highly emotional and attuned being that we are. We just, we intrinsically are connected to this. And because we're instilling this as life givers, we're nourishing children, we're nourishing men and women to, as, to grow and to become men and women. And now this is where men come in. Mm-hmm. What are men's natural law and sacred responsibilities? They are physiologically built in a certain way as are we that is different. We're soft, we are, we are voluptuous, we are encompassing, we are, we are made to hold and to nourish. Where men are strong and men are, men are different bone density, muscle um, build, right? Like you are stronger because now you protect because we as women are protecting the children, you right. are protecting the women and the community. And that's why all of our societies were built in this way, not as soldiers, but as warriors from love, right? Because they carry the burden of truth. In order for any community to thrive, any man to thrive, any woman to thrive, or any child to thrive, this system follows natural and sacred law. And that, See, now- that, that's, go ahead. Yeah, now, now you're talking about right where they pointed to and trying to destroy on us. Back in the 40s and 50s, they went after the family, and they destroyed that. And now all the way to confusing people about their own gender now. This is all playing into that um, divide and conquer of our normal society and our normal sacred and natural law, natural and sacred law. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's messing up that balance completely. And I agree with you completely. Uh, the man's role is to protect the family and the family mother's role is to protect the child without the child we don't have a real big purpose left um yeah and this is why we're sacrificable as men this is sorry to the men <laughs> but look this is why uh we are sacrificable when it comes to the protection and security of the family and why we should be on the front lines and there's something that a lot of people have been talking about recently this is a role that has not been doing well recently vitiated as part of the agenda to confuse and feminize the male role to demasculate Um, men and to disempower men and to get men to abandon their role and women now we're talking about gender roles and while i Mm. understand what we did in society to pervert the gender roles and why we would very quickly abandon them we actually are forgetting the natural and sacred law and gender roles are not just ideologies we come up with when it comes down to basic and sacred natural law and the way we are naturally intrinsically built and interconnected and the roles we play, we can't abandon those because we see our societies are sick. The further and further we move away, now we're at the point where people, they can't even just, they don't even know how to journey with themselves, their trauma, their identity, like we've removed so many things from our rites of passage. In each and every one of our cultures, we've had rites of passages, whether it be through puberty, whether it be birthing, whether it be the stages of life, the facets of 
whether it be to be a maiden, a mother, an elder, like these are all the different facets of our journey. And we've, we've moved away instead to these ridiculous hallmark things that have replaced and have no meaning. So now people abandon them because we've already replaced them with meaningless things. When in truth, these are rites of passage are extremely important. These are our initiations into our medicine, right? This is how boys became men. This and were tested and challenged, not so that they were running around trauma projections, but actual men and what that meant to be a man of honor. And the same with women. We have our rites of passages, our children. And that's something when we come to parental rights, how dare mm -hmm. any government institution stand in between my child's rite of passage and me as her sacred caregiver, as her mother, as her being who's interconnected? How dare anybody facilitate any rite of passage and keep that a secret from me when it comes to my child? You're not wrong. So I just and needed to give voice to that. For sure. And look, the government, uh, for the government to be wrong, it has to be a group of people who are also wrong. So a lot of people who are lost that make up government. So how does that happen? How do people fall off the, not the bandwagon, but fall off the roll so early? Because if you can be anything, you're actually nothing. Um, like if you can identify as anything, then you've identified as nothing. Um, so is that part of the problem? You know, people are having difficulties identifying their role, their position and where they fit in this? Absolutely, because this has been happening. We know this has already been happening for, for sure for decades, much longer. But for decades, we started um, identifying this with the beauty industry and our self-esteem, right? Oh, and, yeah. and we uh, were like, okay, they're capitalizing on it. But is this just about money? Why are we abandoning ourselves? Why are we changing ourselves from everything from the hair extensions to the fake nails to the fake eyelashes to the waxed and contoured to the thing where now, like, you've got to wash someone's face before you... You, you join a relationship with them because they might not look the same the next day because right. it, we're, we're so, we've perverted every aspect of society, right? Every aspect of it, we, this has been layers and layers of this to come in from the natural health to the big pharma to the medical industry. And now like, and even if you look at how they've dismantled them, each one has been attacked independently and now they are all operating in unison, every sector of society. So what we've seen more recently with the doctors, so they were threatened, they were made example of if they didn't follow any kind of health mandates or anything, if they used their education or their health expertise or their personal, um, their patient's personal history and made decisions based on that as the professionals, they were made examples of. They were humiliated, they were ostracized, they were canceled. Now they're being, got, they went after them legally and now they've brought in legislation to support this. So now... Those who are sitting there, they understand. They got the message. They understand that if you rock the boat, what will happen to you? And so for so many, they're not conditioned to understand things like integrity, truth, community, responsibility. They're not looking at the bigger picture of what this means. Now we see the exact same thing. So what happened now? And I, and I want you guys who are watching to understand this because we also play a role in this and we're doing it again right now today. So when we look at media, first thing that happened is they put media in a position where they give them the carrot, they give them the benefit, the, 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 the kickback, do this, mm -hmm. the narrative, the funding, the lobbyist groups, all of that. They betray us. We saw what happened. They betrayed us. They made a choice. They compromised themselves. They betrayed us. We all turned our back on the mainstream media. We said, no. 
We're going to go to alternative sources, those who are going to be unbiased and going to share the facts. We did that. But now what's happening in the media is that they've actually completely restructured it and they're dismantling the media from the inside. We're allowing that because the media has betrayed us. The same thing that happened with the doctors. Now do you see that this is also the same thing that's also happening right now with Hategate and what's happened with we did not see that coming? It's the exact same thing. We, in fact, did see that coming because we've already been in the hate campaigns for over three years. We've right. been called racists and bigots and white nationalists and so many other things. So when they salute whom they've saluted and everyone gives a, a standing ovation, let us not be so naive to think that this was not purposely planned exactly at this time when we know that already they've just deemed every one of our marches a hate event. They shut hours down in Victoria for violence and aggression. But not only that, they've been trying to change the definition of hate. They've been last year, Philip Lawrence, who is a conservative, put forward an amendment to the International Human Rights Act. As well, Bill C-36, which was brought forward by the Liberals, was defeated and is actually had been being repenned these last few months and was said to come back this fall and be implemented by year end. And this is where we're going to see these hate campaigns. So when you see something that was orchestrated in Parliament such as that, and we all go, yeah, 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 and I understand why. Who do you think when they're, they're now all that legislation that's going to come in, everyone's going to be pushing for it and we're going to have reason to. They're saying launch investigations. But who, have we forgotten whom they've been deeming has been speaking hate for the last three years? Us. Us. Us, us the truth advocates. Those who are speaking truth, are they're using it as a hate campaign. So be careful that every time we turn our back and they they create a situation and they offer the solution, and then they use it to censor us, to dismantle our voices, and to persecute us, and then soon to prosecute us. And there are those, you've got right behind you, I can see your sign there. Those are There are those political prisoners mm -hmm. right now who are being yep. made examples of. And that's meant to be a message to us. Us. Oh, absolutely. How far and are we willing to go for truth? Absolutely. And that message has been working because, as you see, we've been really been restrained uh, ever since all of this has happened. And you're not wrong. So the word hate or the definition of hate used to mean the words you speak can be hateful. Now it's what your words generate. So your truth can generate hate in other people. So if, they so feel if hate you have a strong if you elicit a strong reaction of um, of uh Changing the definition. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I and I am a message. very passionate woman. And so I am somebody that they, because of my passion, it, it's actually counterintuitive. Like to have passion is not to, is not to be hateful. It doesn't mean I'm angry. It doesn't mean I'm aggressive. To be assertive or direct is not aggression or violence. And we need to be able to discern between those things and keep those lines in place because when those lines are blurred and anything can be anything, identify as anything, then that is dangerous. That is dangerous. Correct. And part of that is the definition of harassment. So the actual definition of harassment is how it's received, not how it's delivered. So harassment can be the receiver, how they feel. This is also where hate speech is, is getting mixed up because the receiver is saying that is a hateful statement to me may not be a hateful statement to the world. Yeah, we've weaponized, though, or we've weaponized our public, though, and we've conditioned them to use that, that I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I, I don't appreciate those words because of how they are being manipulated and used right now. 
I've stood there with people and, and let's remember, I am a matriarch. I've been initiated and I, I do this work with, I, it's my job to hone in and feel people. That's what I do. That's what I did before I walked this path. And when I'm standing before individuals, men and women who are saying, I don't feel safe, but there is nothing threatening them. They're just using that as a means to target or to shut down the conversation. I don't appreciate that. But yet tactics will be utilized to words and actions to terrorize and strip someone else of their security as a means of them saying, I didn't feel safe. And I'm sorry, the, this is what we are doing actually to weaponize the public against each other. And this right. is a dangerous game, what they've done and what they've, they've really equipped the public with in their trauma projections and, and, it's it, this is reckless and this is when we think of any government or media that would do this to their communities you've got to ask don't we want strong thriving communities that are healthy and that are nourishing and caretaking each other why would we ever give these kind of tactics to people and encourage it and push it and and enforce it that's 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 that doesn't sound to, like that's almost like a mother and father being abusive to children, and then we're all pushing for that. These types of tactics are harmful. And anybody who says and advocates for it, I'm sorry, to me, that's not a demonstration of leadership. And I don't care who Correct. they are and what they give voice to. Those kinds of tactics are not leadership. That's well, it war. could be, sure, and you're not wrong, because they're not leading people down a good path at all. But it's some cowards who don't want to have the fight. So I can see why, from their perspective, they want weak communities and fragile communities because they're easy to control. You want control. Yeah. yeah, easy to control. You can have them depend on you, and then they stick stick to you. Just like a broken family will produce broken children who may not stand up and fight and be mavericks. Where a strong family with strong values and strong traditions will, you'll end up producing a generation of fighters and warriors. Um, so this is why you attack the family. So they don't have warriors anymore. They have dependents. They have people who need help. Um, and then you have a community of that. It's pretty easy to control because they need a lot of help. They don't sustain themselves and well. And that's why in society, we also need to recognize the nature of the child. And we need to stop trying to reprimand the child who speaks out and challenges authority Correct. or challenges the rules in the home. We need to nourish that and teach them how to channel that in a functional way. Those characteristics are trying to be eroded so that we have societies of compliance. But those are the characteristics we need and that foster critical thinking. And that is what we need in our societies. We need diversity. We need to challenge any community, including and, and you and I. If we're not willing to be challenged on our ideologies, our beliefs, our actions, our words and where we stand, if we're not willing to receive that, then we have no business out here because then we're no different than anybody else that we're calling out. And then what's this, what's the point of more of the same? What's the point of more of the same? Yeah. That's a lesson I, I got reminded of again, just today. Um, it's mm. really, really important to uh, sit down with people that don't necessarily even like you to have a nice conversation and have a civil conversation. It's important. Um, and, and I, and I like what you said about raising young people who are strong. This is something I had to deal with my, my youngest ones because they're both strong by, by nature. They're very strong. So as a parent, you think, Oh, okay, well, uh, do I want to break that attitude so it's easy for me? Do I want to give them some sort of guidance in a different direction with treats and other things to try and co not coordinate, but to try and steer that behavior? Or do I want to learn how to communicate with them 
and show them how they can continue with that power. So we chose the latter. And I'm really pleased because we got through the phase of um, bonehead strength where they didn't understand how they're using their strength to the point where, boy, he, he impresses me sometimes when I sit mm. down. For, for example, we'll give you a quick example. Um, being a stupid parent, I did this not too long ago. I said, hey, pick up your toys in the yard or we'll throw them away. And he looked at me with a very straight face. He goes, you know, you don't have to threaten me. I go, wow, you're right. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Uh, Can you just pick up your toys? I'm like, yeah, I will do that. But you don't have to threaten me. (laughs) That's right. Not not bad. That's right. right? And we and we punish each other for not complying or doing what we say or pleasing us and our expectations. We need to also honor the nature of each other. and, And what is right for you is not right for me. What is nourishing for me is not nourishing for you. And mm-hmm. so we, we have to be nourished in order to operate in a way where we are nourishing our families. And to nourish our families, we need to recognize their, who they are and their nature in that, right? Um, this, is, this I find absolutely interesting and fascinating. This is why I've also given voice and ran as a school board trustee in the municipal elections last fall was because I come from a background of early childhood development. I... I I understand these philosophies and that's why what's taking place in the schools is counterintuitive because again, from communities that are saying, we don't want to be painted with uh, one brush. They're painting all of society with the same brush and they're doing this in the schools as well. We're, you know, and we need to, in my opinion, I'm just going to go there, Jason. We need Please to do. remove identity politics altogether out of the schools, every aspect of it and make these institutions of if, if we continue with them, institutions of education. And I'm talking about academics, math, science, reading. That's what they were originally meant to be. But if we actually go into the past of school systems, these government brick and mortar institutions, if we go all the way back, say, to gymnasiums in, in Nazi Germany, they understood those who wield the mind of the child wield the future. They understood mm-hmm. you remove the child from the family and you put them in all day long in government institutions, you condition them to what direction and what history and the the citizens you want them to be. And it's no different than the residential schools. That's the same thing that happened. John A. McDonald said the same thing. If you bring the schools to them, then you just have educated savages, but you got to remove them from their family. If you want to strip them of their identity, their ideologies, their beliefs, so that you can condition them for, for becoming the citizens you want them to be. And that is right. what we are seeing right now taking place here in the schools everywhere, not just here. This is happening internationally. We have people everywhere talking about this and raising awareness, whether you're calling it SOGI123 or anything else. There are so many that are speaking about this. And now I'm going to go so far as to say all identity politics, all identity politics need to be removed from the school. All. Or well, let, remove the children. Let's not yeah. stop there. How about identity politics for adults, including party politics? This is a type of identity. Absolutely. How do you Absolutely. feel about parties into politics? Oh. And by the way, I love how that bush is embracing you. Nature is embracing you here. It's kind of neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a blackberry bush. I know I'm like picking the, it's like sticking to me everywhere. It's like claiming yeah. me actually. <laughs> You've been supported. You're being supported by nature. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Um, Back to your question, I guess, I guess, you know, you're saying, are you speaking about kind of more lobbyist groups? Is that what you're talking well, about? Well, I'm in talking more identity and talk about identity okay. in general. You identify as a uh, liberal. It's or everywhere. Yeah, no, yeah. 
And, and I, and I don't agree with that because it's just more divide. And a lot mm. of times, I mean, we've all heard the term same bird, different, right? Like right. It's, it's all the same bird, left wing, right wing center. It doesn't matter because there are things from, and we should never blindly follow. And this also goes for leadership. Okay. There's a few things here. I'm, my mind's going bing, 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 like a ping pong it's right good. now, but it's, it's that you never blindly follow anything or anyone. We've got to use that critical thinking. We've got to weigh each and every policy, each and every word, each and every, anything that is put forward always. We can't just say because somebody's done good work or because we're a liberal or we're NDP or conservative or PPC or anything else, we can't just follow it all. We have to weigh each thing because there are things from each that seem good. And, and that is also uh, what is utilized as manipulation, right? And we see mm. this time and time again, whether it's somebody fighting for you or bringing awareness and you go, okay, they get it, they get it. And then all of a sudden you, you give them your allegiance and we do that same thing that we've done in society over and over and over. We then lay ourselves on the altar of convenience and we say, you are more equipped to make decisions for us. You're smarter. You know better. I'm busy over there. You go ahead and go do it. You got my vote and, and my blind allegiance, whether it be um, any kind of party, whether it's you're saying with the liberals or the NDPs or the conservatives or anything else, you do that. You've just, you've just done a disservice to yourself and your community because you've empowered them. You've given away your sovereignty. You've told them they know better than you. And we do that. You and I, we do that. And so I don't believe in left and right. These are just words of divide. Everything in society has been about divide. From the dawn of time, we have been divided. And I've said this time and time again, divided by the sexes, divided by our religion, divided by our language, divided by our skin color, divided by what we practice, where we live, right? Like now it's politics, it's it's our medical choices. It, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. And so I don't want to, when somebody says leftist or right, I'm not, I, as a matter of fact, my voting history and based on some of the things that I I believe in, lean a little more left. And so, but I'm, I've been deemed a far right. Of course. <laughs> and, and so I don't, I don't. I don't identify as any of these things because they're all constructs of the mind. We want to go back to natural and sacred law again. These are constructs of the mind of men and women. We made these constructs and we built these constructs. And in there, we stripped away very important elements that were necessary to continue for it to continue to support the family, to support the community, to support, support the man, the woman, the child and the soul, right? Like these are all the natural sacred laws. So our governing system moved away and it became identity politics and it became these, you know, these divisive things like left, right, center, because it's just another means to divide us and keep us distracted and weaponized against each other. We're distracted. And in truth, I think that this whole system is, it's not broken. It's designed to do exactly what it's doing. And it itself is one that needs to come down. And I think that I want to give voice to that for a moment. I think that's exactly what the, the, when we look on an international scale, that's exactly what's trying to happen is to bring in this one world government. So they are stressing our government systems all around the world so that they can rewrite our social contracts. The social contracts are, are the government's role and the legislation. So the government's role in our life and the legislation to control us. 
And you guys can learn about that under Donut Economics, and you can read about this in The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab. That's where I first read about Donut Economics and why I researched and looked into it, right? There you go. <laughs> yeah, and you he talks read right about this. The outer loop is the ecological ceiling and everything that's mm -hmm. coming in under environmental regulations. We see that everywhere. We see that narrative everywhere. And we also see what this is doing to our food supply, our water supply, our sovereignty around being able to preserve life and provide for ourselves. But we always do this and lay ourselves on that altar of convenience, right? Farmers mm -hmm. are having here on Vancouver Island, farmers are having um, their water well access denied, their licensing. They're having to shut down farms because that's they can't water good. their yep. poultry, right? Like yep. there's so much going on in so many different ways. I can give voice in any direction we want we see the legislation being rewritten and that's exactly what klaus schwab says he says the ecological ceiling and those who what we're building who are the biggest um what did he say the biggest threat to it are the discontent they will gather to live off the land and they won't want to live in this and and they will be environmental terrorists then the inner loop is the social foundation this is where we see all the identity politics the equity what's happening in the school systems our homelessness, our food programs, we're moving everybody away. And if you remember what took place on residential schools, when you cut off somebody's sovereignty, their ability to provide for themselves, hunting, fishing, leaving their 15 minute city, I meant reserve, sorry. Then what happens is they are penalized for it, right? And, and then they also bring in the social programs and they go, here you go, you're having a hard time. Let me alleviate that. Now you Correct. are hooked on the system because they're giving you the carrot and when you don't comply that carrot's taken away right your access to healthcare, your access to grocery stores your access to to go to the theater to go to a restaurant these are ways of ostracization and punishment right they're, they're not yeah. uh, it's forced compliance and, and so these types of things go ahead sorry if people don't pay attention it gets worse so you lose access to health care you lose access to your finances you're going to lose access to your sovereignty completely. well and we see that already people being debanked and and exactly. um, these economic institutions that are already like when we look at what happened they are all held under things like the emergency act and the emergency economic measures and orders and they actually will be held accountable if they don't hold their clientele accountable and so that's why they're debanking and doing all these things still because they understand they don't want to be the ones held accountable to corporations and so they are all working together and this there's so much i mean we can go on and on and on i think for hours talking about I in any direction to. here <laughs> yeah yeah no i do want to i want to get back to the children identity for a bit because that's really mm, the, the march you. and what's on the topic right now and i also think this is where the line in the sand can be drawn for all of us because there are parents who happen to be Cree, parents who have to be muslim parents who happen to be christian we're parents first, uh, first and foremost. So I think Absolutely. that this is a great unifier. And I think that this is kind of backfiring uh, as we saw at the march. Maybe not in Victoria where, where you were, but a lot of other places we had. Oh, it backfired in Victoria better than anywhere else. Okay, let's say. get into that because I saw that video. I, I saw they rushed you uh, and, and they caused you the problem and then they shut it down for violence that they brought to you. Is that correct? Well, actually, actually, so what happened is I, I i was the mc for the event and so one of the organizers spoke a little bit and was going to introduce the other organizers i came on because the crowd was starting to get worked up and i just launched right in and started speaking to the crowd um mm. i don't script my speeches ever i don't do that that's Good. not who i am i right i go and i speak from the heart right in the moment on what wants to be spoken in that moment i just allow myself to be in service and that's what i'm there for and so 
it began, it, it actually began to hush and it got quieter and, and people began to listen. There were some who were chanting. I think these were more our local LGBTQ counter protesters, the unions, the teachers, those who were coming out and thinking the media and the school boards and the unions had deemed this a hate event. So already, right. and so they had, and, and our school board sent out that email the day before, by the way. Um, they sent out this email standing and deeming it a hate event and standing against the oh families and with the unions. And so I actually went down to my school and explained I was the MC for this event and a family member. Then I went down to the school boards, explained the same thing. Um, and I want I'm bringing that piece up. So bring me back, Jason, but I'm bringing that piece up because this is what I had to say to, um, those at the school board office when they called the police on me that they, in their short foresight, they made a mistake and that accountability is on them. They misused their platform. They misused their, um, their responsibility to the public. They used their school email to call, to email this out to all the families. It was a conflict of interest. There was not their position or their place to take any stance on this whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now, first and foremost, that is, that's the first mistake they made. The second mistake they made is when I was campaigning last um, fall, I went to a meet the teacher um, barbecue and I came right from a campaigning event and I had a vote October 15th button on and my name tag as a from an all candidates debate and I went straight to the picnic the barbecue to meet the teachers and be with my community that night I received um, a message from the principal stating that if I were to ever campaign on school property again that I would be reported to BC elections because I was seen wearing my um, my name tag and button and that schools need to remain a neutral. politically free neutral zone because they need to be safe for everyone. They cannot take a political stance on the school ground and politics cannot take place on school property or, or within the schools in that way. And you were fine with that. And, and I respected that okay, boundary respected. and they, they showed it to me in the legislation. They showed it to me where it was and where I was bound by this. I respected that, but I did have an email back and I reminded this principal that I first and foremost, I am a mother, I am a parent, I am a community member and I was there as those things. And I would remind him of his tone when speaking to a parent and a family member and his position and what he is in service to. And I will not be spoken to that way again as a family member. And he very quickly changed his tone and apologized and we both just moved forward. Fast forward to the school board on Tuesday, the day before the 1 million March for children. When they used their platform to deem this a hate event and to stand with the uh, unions and with the LGBTQ plus two community, they brought politics onto their platform and into the school and Correct. they created that. And so now they set the precedence. They are the ones who actually are the ones who compromised their position and that was a conflict of interest. And so I look forward to seeing how that accountability is going to come forward and, and how they will be held to that accountability. So that first, now we're there at the, at the grounds, the 1 million March, the very next day. And what has happened is these are our local communities who have heard this rhetoric, this, this narrative, this manipulation about what this event is. Nobody reached out right. to us for any kind of interview. Nobody asked me, um, as the MC and a family member and a community member what this was. So I get up there and I start speaking and the crowd is already charged. They started to hush and listen. And you guys, you can hear that speech. It's on my TikTok. Um, it's been live streamed. It's been utilized in a lot of different platforms. Now they listened. 
until some buses pulled up and people are speculating between one and 200 people. Some are speculating if these are what the leaked union videos referred to as their flying squirrel squads that were renamed the rapid response teams in which they were quoted saying in this video in their, the union meeting that let's go out there and instill fear because there's fight, flight, or fear. So let's go instill fear. And I will tell you, they came masked. They pushed through the crowd barrier. Now I will say this. The police had one responsibility there, and that was to hold that crowd barrier. And they had a directive all across this country in Canada to hold that crowd barrier and keep the counter protesters separate because of how controversial this was and how dangerous this was. And so what happened was when they began to breach and come, they began to breach the crowd barrier. And we had a ribbon there and the police there. We had our community and then the police and the counter protesters were supposed to be on the outside. They allowed them to just walk in. And when people began asking, why aren't you stopping them? They said, there's too many of them, but they didn't even attempt. And so what happened then is they came to the front. They began antagonizing elders and community members who were calm and peaceful. We were very diverse and there were about 200 of us there. Okay. Now the event itself, there were 2,500 people there and 200 of us who were there for this peaceful gathering of giving voice of parental rights. We were surrounded by over 2,000 people at this point, and now the police wow. were at the front. And this is coming to the end of my speech. It's starting. They're not listening now. Now they're chanting profanities. They're they're not there for in, as any kind of constructive member of society working for their community. They're there to instill fear. They, they there were some who took that point to purposely stand there and intimidate me, men. And there were there were those. They began to breach the line. And then I made way for our keynote speaker, Megan Murphy, whom is well known for her advocacy for the importance of women's spaces and has been giving voice to this, I believe, for almost 15 years. And she was our keynote speaker. And what happened is, as she began to speak about women's spaces and these these, these, um, more aggressive, um, I'm going to say violent and speaking profanities in front of children, Like they didn't care who was there and what was listening, what was happening. They were there to instill fear. And they began to breach this line and and were getting arrested and tackled at her feet. And they finally came and they said, the police officer said, and there's a lot of video footage of that caught live stream saying, you end this now, you pull the plug or we are. The the aggression and the violence is, is ramping up too quick. We can't keep you guys safe. We can't. And they're holding now right in front of the stage now, right? And people, I get up there, I had to take the microphone, they were gonna end it or I had to. And so I got up there, I used my voice to, I used my heart. Mm -hmm. I used my heart to speak to the humanity of the crowd. I spoke real truths in that moment and it wasn't about left or right or this group or that group. It was about each and every one of us and our responsibility to community our responsibility that we got to do more than shout we have an obligation to do more than to just impose upon each other the way we are coming at so many of these things it's important to give voice but we have to ask ourselves are we doing this right now because we're at war with them and this is the war and i know many have said it is and i get it Mm -hmm. but we have to understand we actually have an opportunity right now where we still have the opportunity for peace. 
if we do this in each and every one of our communities, and now I got to say this, like those who were there locally, they got pushed to the back when the more aggressive ones came and they were still listening. And the messages and screenshots and conversations that we are seeing take place from those people who heard my words and witnessed who they were standing with and what was taking place. I had to remind them that children were in the crowd. I had to get the police to open a corridor so that they can get out peacefully, these women and children and elders and our community members. And one of the Times, the Times colonists actually wrote an article about this and said those who were there to actually listen to the speeches, there was one speaker in particular, and that was me he was referencing. And unfortunately, not all our speakers got to speak, so I just want to give word to that for a moment. But he said there, none of us could disagree with what she was saying. And he said, and, and I was talking about our societies being sick. And he said, but then when she continued, she left me speechless because she talked about our responsibility to hear each other. And then he self-identified in his article as us leftists. Mm. We're shutting down the conversations. We're not hearing each other. We're, how is this productive? And so for me, I'm going to say we held what we were there for. And the amount of people who wrote me and told me that I was a pillar for them, they were a pillar for me because they held it. They held it. They did not get antagonized. They did not get goaded in. They, they were there and they were there to stand for the truth of what we're standing for. We're coming up and we're speaking from love. We're speaking about all of our well-being, each and every one of our, our diverse communities and how we can move forward in this together. We have an obligation to that and to do the work beyond the shouting and the interviews and, and, and the protests. We have to go and engage in our communities and we have to be willing to put ourselves on the line. And it's not always in the way we think. Sometimes it's about opening our heart and being vulnerable and saying, this hurts and this is hard to feel this and to see this and to experience this, but I want you to feel that we can do this in a different way and I want you to see that. And that's what I did and that's what I embodied and that's what that community in, of 200 in the center of these over 2000 counter protesters, they held that, they held that. And to me, I didn't see very many who could obscure what we stood for and why we were there. As a matter of fact, it was very telling. We, we were in service in that day to our community because we held it in our own vulnerability, our own security, our own safety. And since then, I mean, the trauma that our community experienced from that, the children, like now we're, we're moving to support our community in ways where we're saying, okay, we need our wellness practitioners to step forward, our counselors, our therapists. We need to speak about the importance of resiliency, how to calm the nervous system, and what we need to do to keep doing what we're doing and to support our young ones and support our elders and our women and our men and those who are giving voice in so many ways in different ways because we have to be nourished in order to keep doing what we're doing and if we're going to build something better than what we're calling out then we have to be better than what we're calling out we have to we can't resort to our trauma triggers and the way each of us were conditioned 
to just plow each other down and stomp each other in the ground with our own beliefs and ideologies. That time has passed and we're at the cusp of seeing what it has birthed and it is destructive. It is destroying our society. And right now it's being purposely utilized to do that. So we already know, I want to say one thing. We already know that when you have a problem, you create the problem, you create the solution. We have to create that solution because they've already got one waiting to come in, those who created the problem. And we better believe it and we better be utilizing this time right now to recognize what we need to do to support people like myself and people like you and people like those in the comments, people who are organizing, people who are doing the wellness, the children, everyone. We're all doing this work in different ways, in different areas. But we need to recognize now it's time for our communities to come together. It's time for us to understand how we have to support each other. And it's time now that we do that because we're in this. There's no quick fix. And if we're going to be resilient, we need to foster resiliency and nourishment. Thank you. What you did, thank you. You absolutely touched at least one, that writer. And you may touch people that you don't know yet because they still have to grow into it. Whether they're adults or children, there's going to be a lot of growth from that moment. They would have saw confusion, frustration, anger, hate. But standing up there with that mic, they saw a lot more than that. They saw a soul. And this lefty, this us lefty writer, had a hard time not telling his own truth because he was inspired by yours. So mm-hmm. you created little warriors. You put a seed in 2,000 other people, maybe not the people on the bus. I also brought be- forward a suggesting suggestion, and I put it there right on the stage. If each and every one of you are here because you're here for community, then put your words into action, and we're going to create a space And we're going to get each and every one of those people who want to have a seat at the table, whether it's from our Muslim community, our Christian community, our trans activists, our LGBTQ plus two, our freedom movement, our school board trustees, our First Nations community, our Sikh community, whatever community. If you want a voice at that table and you want to fight for your community, then you have an obligation to come forward, to sit down at that table and to work towards solutions. And I've put forward that if we are in service to our communities, let's begin these talks now. Let's begin them. And and that is what I am actively doing behind the scenes right now is putting the things in place to support in locally in my community. And I'm, in, I'm sharing this with you guys because I encourage you to do the same in yours, right? This, this is, I don't know if you guys know the story of the 100 monkeys. Go on. So the story of the 100 monkeys, I believe it was an island off of Japan with scientists and they went and taught the monkeys. They brought them, I think it was sweet potatoes or yams and they were feeding them and they would all come down to the beach. And then after a little while, they stopped washing them and left them in the sand and the monkeys didn't want to eat them. So they taught one monkey how to wash it while they watched as that monkey the next day taught another and each time it ate more and more and more. By the time it hit about 100 monkeys, it just, it just. It, it took off and all of the monkeys, it was like this huge wave. All of the monkeys were there and they were washing and they were, so they moved to the next island to these other monkeys that had no exposure to the previous monkeys. And lo and behold, these monkeys were washing their food in the ocean and they started looking at other islands and they realized there's something that happens. Remember we're frequency, right? I was about to go there. Remember natural and sacred law. 
And so what happens on a collective consciousness level is that when we hit right around 100 that know this collective consciousness, we raise the collective consciousness and it moves in a wave. So what did I do in that moment with my collective consciousness and everybody else who was there? Because it wasn't just me. There were amazing, beautiful souls who were weaving around the outskirts and engaging in amazing, beautiful conversations. And there's video footage starting to come up of that, of dialogue, of de-escalating, of rehumanizing, of hearing each other, of encouraging this. I am so proud of my community because while they said I was their pillar, they, they are our pillar. Our communities are our pillars. And each and every one of you remember that. This happens through us. And in order for us to continue to actually do this work, it's going to have to happen also locally in your communities by rehumanizing yourself. I love it. What do you think about instead of doing a rally, but we do peace talks where we That's what I'm encouraging. That's exactly what I'm encouraging. It's time for the peace talks. It's time for the peace tables. In my culture, there's something we do, and, and this is what I presented, but I know there are varying ways to do it, is to you bring forward, if there is a disagreement, you bring everybody who's part of that disagreement forward, and everybody gets voice. It doesn't matter how you show up. If you're angry, you're sad, you're outraged, whatever it is, you get to give voice, and you go round and round and round all day and all night for days on end. Because you are there committed to finding a solution, hearing each other, grieving with each other, weaving with each other. And this is what I'm proposing. If not in this format, something similar. There are different peace tables, peace circles. But this is the time where I believe that we don't need to go to war yet. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity here. And when I say that, and I, I use those words, and I wanted, I don't want this taken out of context, so I'm going to clarify what I'm saying. Many okay. say that this is a spiritual war, an economic war. This is a war on the family, and that's what I'm speaking of. And so if this is truly that, then we have an obligation while we have this window of opportunity to go into our communities and do that work so that we can give everybody the knowledge and the tools, and they can decide for themselves who they are and what they're going to do with that. I love it. I love it. And you have roots in Alberta, too. So you might be able to help kick stuff off in Alberta. I, yeah, that's because right. We, we need some of this here in Alberta as well. Uh, we have separation all over the place. Uh, people that want to leave Canada, stay in Canada, fight Ottawa, take it. Like, we got lots to talk about here, too. I'm going to be honest, and this is controversial, but I'm going to say it. I'm not here to make friends with anybody. I love you guys, but I, I have to be in service to truth. I think the time of the rallies and the convoys is behind us. I think now that we need to be extremely clear with our messaging and effective. And so at a certain point, we got to recognize that we also need to pivot and shift and grow. And mm -hmm. I want to say thank you to each and every one who created these opportunities, who created those moments and those, those moments and movements that inspired us, that united us, that awoke us. But I, I do want to say now, it's time for each and every one of us to bring our skills and what we have to help support our communities forward. This is the time. And the next generations, they depend upon it. So that's what I wanted to give voice to. Hey, and I think you have a lot of support. Oh, look at that view. I love it. I love it. Um, I got to give a lot of support to what you just said there. The uh, rallies and convoy. They weren't really about, well, they were meant to be, but what they ended up being was a unifier for a lot of people who didn't have a voice and who thought they were alone. 
it brought us all together. All of that us was absolutely isolated. one aspect. Absolutely, that was one aspect, and I and I I'm so grateful for that aspect of my community that I've met and and our our opportunity and ability to be able to give voice, come together, be inspired, find strength and courage together. This was monumental and it was life changing and it was and I am grateful for it. But I also recognize, though, that we can't keep doing the same thing and expecting different results like we need to grow and we need to be effective now. Correct. I think we went through a phase and that was a waking up phase for a lot of people. But now the next step is to learn how to talk and talk. Um, so we need to learn. I'm sure the other side will learn as well uh, as we go through this process. Uh, but we need to talk. Um, and, and I think that's what the lesson is from the last convoy is, okay, now we've woken up, we stood up, we even stood up in the cold. We, we saw what the other side is willing to do. Now we need to talk about what, how we move this forward. So I, I agree. Like there's a current small convoy or, or little, little collection of people getting together in Ontario. Um, we're not hearing too much about this. Uh, have you even heard about that? Um, I have, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to be honest with you right now. My eyes are a little bit more on Bill C-53 and what's going on with that and UNDRIP and as well what's, and so that also happened on the same day. And there are those who are saying that the 1 million March for people was actually a distraction from what was happening in Ottawa that day. And I, I gotta say, we need to use our critical thinking. And, and so there are many layers and many different truths that move at once and one is not more truthful than the other what we were speaking to is true and real and needed voice and and i'm so grateful that i got to be a part of giving voice in that way and sharing my medicine but there was something else extremely mm -hmm. important Let's taking place that. that day and we need to be watching that and keeping all eyes on that and this is bill c53 with the metis and their rights and this is also looking at Potentially, every time we go and gather in one of those ways and they get more violent and more aggressive, whether it be a convoy or anything else, when we put forward in a way where we are pushing up and challenging that, and, I'm, and we need to challenge, but we need to be effective and strategic in that. Now, what happens is every time that we get closer to having the Emergency Act enacted, we get closer to undrip. And we get closer to these different things coming in. we got to watch everything that's being brought in and when it's being brought in. From hate gate in Parliament to mm -hmm. Bill C-53 to Bill C-36 uh, to all of these different things. They're all interconnected. And so, no, I haven't heard a lot about that convoy. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you because I'm my attention right now, now I need to prioritize of what is yeah, important and bill c53 <laughs> is extremely important to be looking at and extremely controversial yeah absolutely you know i have my head in the uh, the the coots four situation I, I spent a lot of time there with the coots men and mm. i know a little bit about that stuff i really want to jump into bill 53 with you and uh undrip i don't know i'm going to be honest with you um jason i don't know that i'm the person that is best to do this because this is why i believe in educating ourselves and understanding it. And I understand that we can draw correlations between things, but until I can see it very clearly in legislation or how or where that loophole is, um, I, I, I understand that that means there's more research necessary. I've brought some of the said experts in for interview on my platforms. And when it came down to me pushing and challenging and 
it turned out that a lot was speculation and they couldn't point to where exactly it was showing that. And so for me, I'm waiting for more of these experts, experts to come forward. I'm gathering knowledge from different demographics, different communities, different individuals to hear what and how they're talking about it and to see how this is in relation to Bill C-53 um, and, and the rights for the Métis and what we're talking about with Indigenous, etc. So that's the extent of where I'm at because I don't want to misspeak or misrepresent based on speculation of something that is Wonderful. so important. Okay, so the message from here is pay attention to it and we'll circle pay back Pay attention, with you. do your research and don't blindly follow any expert. Please stop Absolutely. laying ourselves on this this altar of convenience, and we all must do our critical thinking. All of us. I guess what, Jason? Mm-hmm. I think the tide is going to block me in. It's coming in, and it's getting yeah, close. Yeah. So I might have to go soon, my friend, because <laughs> okay, I'm well, going to lose my exit go. route. Well, we don't want to lose you, so we'll make sure that you get your exit route and there's no police to open one up for you. So we'll make sure you stay safe. Do you want to take a moment to get yourself to higher ground? Because uh, I do have a friend that wants to say hello to you. Oh, you do? Okay. I do. I'm excited. I don't know who it is, but I'm going to. Let's get. Let's go, guys. <laughs> let's, let's save our national treasure here. We don't need to go scuba diving for you. <laughs> you know what, though? The, 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 the waves were crashing up. I don't know if you guys could see, but they were starting to splash me. They were getting a little uh, crazy. But. Uh, yeah. Well, my wife's there so we jealous. Go. You're walking on the beach with me. This is a great time. Aww. <laughs> Uh, All right, I'm on higher ground. Okay, I'll go through a few questions and I'll bring our surprise in for you. Thank Um, you. There's this guy named Island Jason, and he asks, uh, when you opened your speech in Victoria, I could hear the anti-protesters get riled up and very loud when you invited them to join the table. How did you make, how did that make you feel in that moment? When I accepted to be the MC, that's when it started for me in that moment. I knew what I would have to do when I got up there. I knew I was going to have to feel the crowd and open my heart to the crowd and feel everything, every aspect of it, the violence, the anger, the counter-protests, those who wanted their, their voices heard and are standing for their rights. And it was many diverse people from the trans activists, the LGBTQ, the youth, the Muslim community, the freedom community, the, the all walks of life were there standing for their rights. And so for me, I needed to feel who this crowd was and, and, and just speak to that. I just needed to open my heart and speak to the pain and what was being projected out so angrily and violently from everybody. And in that moment, that's a hard question, Jason. Yeah. Well, in that moment, it's, it's, it's a vulnerable one. It's a vulnerable one because it broke my heart. It broke my heart to feel this in our humanity being eroded and how men and women treat each other and how we normalize this in society among children and elders and women in the midst of this and how somehow we've normalized that this was okay to treat each other. It broke my heart. It broke my heart. If I ever felt evil, it was then and there. It's evil is the absence of our humanity, of our soul, of our essence. 
And so in truth, it is about rehumanizing ourselves because when we rehumanize ourselves, we remind others of their humanity and we awaken mm. them and we allow them to remember their humanity. And that's important. That's important in this. And so for me, it, it was hard because it was painful. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about a broken heart, Serena, is uh, you had to go through the heal and you're, and you're stronger after. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. Thank you for sharing that. But in truth, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it, what I felt and what I experienced after or any of it. Because I, I believe I gave a part of my heart and my soul that day. And I believe that that could only do good. I gave that's that just, in service to community and that could only do good. I gave for love. So yeah, That seed went straight to other hearts. I assure you of that one. Even that writer had a hard time understanding what he just witnessed. Mm -hmm. This is a turning point. This could be a turning point for your community. Please stay strong on that one. And I love the uh, peace table. I would love to come see one of those. Got a couple more questions. Uh, John Patterson, 1977, says, from your point... John Patterson, yeah. From, from your point of view, do you believe the soul is eternal? How does the soul manifest itself? Oh, I lost volume. Yeah, there's something just changed there. I can't hear anything. You can't hear us? I uh -oh. think you may, have lost, you may have lost Bluetooth. Can you... There you are, you're back. You. That was strange. Yeah. yeah. No okay, problem. Sorry. It could be CSIS. They like to mess up when John's around. Um, of course. <laughs> so for John's asking, from your point of view, do you believe the soul is internal? How does the soul manifest itself in its next incarnation? Nothing is random, and we all have a purpose in this life. Do you believe in that? John, you are speaking some amazing, beautiful, profound things that how am I supposed to answer that in a couple minutes? One... We know from natural and sacred law, let's use, let's use um, science as the map. Energy never ceases to exist. It just changes shape. And we know this to be true. So we know that from one map, but we also know this to be true about who and what we are. I know this to be true from standing there when my aunt passed away and being gifted that opportunity to feel her soul leave her body and to feel my aunts and my loved ones and the joy, my cousins and I who were there and were gifted that experience, we all felt the love and joy that moved through that room. And we all began to laugh and to weep in beauty at feeling my aunt pass and transition. So I know in, I know it to be true. Energy never ceases to exist. And, and so we are eternal. The soul is eternal. And the rest of your question, I'm going to be honest with you, John, that's a big question, and I would love to give voice to that, but that's many layers of it. When we look at our, our bodies, our cells, right? Like the, an elder said to me that our cells are like little discs, like um, almost like a disc player, and they all uh, it all stores memory, experience. Everything is stored. It's like an archive, and you have access to that. But remember our DNA. We inherit it. I was carried, and each of you were carried by your grandmothers, right, in your mother's womb because she already had her eggs and your grandmother was carrying her, right? right. So we are interconnected through our DNA, through our blood, through our bones. We are interconnected in this way. And because energy never ceases to exist, science has actually shown that we have cellular memory. So that map is now stating the same thing that my elders have taught me. And so... In that, we have access always to, 
to all information. But we also know another map has says that all time and space exists right here, right now. That one's a famous one. And we know this to be true as well. So we have access to our ancestors' memories, their, their convictions, their traumas, their medicine, and their skill set, as do I, when I speak today, I'm putting in place what my next generations are set, the legacy that they will inherit. Mm. I, as I said, my chapan, Mustus, was a orator of the people. He, he orated on their behalf, and he had a gift of articulation. And he helped negotiate the treaties on behalf of the people. And I didn't realize this or know this until I read an article from the Edmonton Bulletin from the late 1800s about him when he was doing this. And I was running for school board trustee when I found the quote online, the paper, the article that my family didn't even know existed. It's not in our archives. And in there, he said, these teachers you mean to bring into these schools, what do they mean to impose upon our children? Mm -hmm. And I found myself the day before finding that, asking that same question in one of my speeches. Wow. So yes, yes, I do believe absolutely we are eternal. I believe that I am guided. I believe my ancestors are with me. I believe I am part of my ancestors and my next generations. I believe that we are all relations. And I believe that we are interconnected in this vast, amazing system right here, right here in every way. And we haven't even begun to tap this, never mind moving on to digital and AI and all of those different realities that we're trying to recreate what we've got here. Right. Right. Like, and we haven't even tapped into this and this yet. I hope I answered your question. I think you definitely gave him something to, uh, to ponder and to take away from that. It's beautiful. And I really like how you mentioned, uh, we were all carried by a grandmother. Uh, we don't realize that, but you're absolutely right. Our mother was there, and so were we. <laughs> so were we. Absolutely. We absolutely. Our, our That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more questions, and then I can let you run away if you want. Okay. Uh, Canadian Journey says, uh, Serena, do you have a YouTube channel, especially for younger parents? Your voice, my dear, is so needed. Thank you. So YouTube, as soon as I went to YouTube, okay, when this platform erected and I started speaking, I didn't set out with intentions of speaking in this way. I just started speaking and people started paying attention and saying I needed a platform. And, and that's how the Freedom Bear was born on Facebook. And so I do do some live feed on there. But where I'm channeling my voice right now, because when I went to YouTube, the very first thing that happened is I got videos taken down. Um, yeah. I was the one who uploaded that Matthew Good video because it was a friend of mine who recorded that and did the interview with me. And so that was very quickly taken down. And so I kind of, I was like, you know what? I left the sour taste in my mouth. So instead I've moved to Spotify and I actually launched Serena Winterburn podcast. And there I'm doing, I share my, my, my story of who I am from my ancestry to my initiation as a matriarch, to my warrior, to what is leadership, to then talking about things like gold and silver and minerals. And I just did an interview with Megan that's going, Megan Murphy on women's spaces and our experience in Victoria that's going up tomorrow, Friday, I'm going to launch it. Next Monday, I'm also going to be doing matriarch teachings. So next Monday, another podcast coming up all about the matriarch teachings. But I have a community space and I'm going to explain why this is brand new, this community space. And and I'm challenging myself because in order for me to keep doing what I'm doing, this has to be self-sustaining. This is my path. This is my purpose. And to the previous question, yes, I believe we all have a destiny and I believe we all have a path and purpose and we're perfectly equipped in our journeys, our experiences to to um equip us for this journey 
And so for me, I've moved to serenawinterburn.ca. There you can scroll and hit listen now. There's the opote, which means we rise. And this is where I'm going to start doing my coffee times. And I've been doing my coffee times. Also, you can click the matriarch space. And these are membership spaces because this is a means for me to continue to do what I'm doing and to be self, um, I, I, self-sustained because I can't continue to give voice in this way if I can't support my daughter and myself. And so that's, that's where we're moving. So the podcast, as well as behind the member space, the podcast obviously will always be free, but those who want to journey deeper and, and want to find a way to support, you're welcome to join the membership space and to journey in that way. And I'm going to continue giving voice everywhere and anywhere I can at this point. Um, But always hopefully towards being effective and helping and bettering our communities. We'll be joining. My wife and I will go join Aww. right away. We'll get Thank in there. You. This is wonderful. And we'll share this with our children because we homeschool. Uh, I, I want to say the teachings that I'm going to be sharing once a month, I'm going to be sharing women's teachings because it's important to keep the sacredness around our teachings on men and women. And I'll have guest speakers come in down the road as well and give teachings. And I want everyone to know these teachings. I've been guided that I need to bring these out into the open and been given permission. And so these teachings are for for men and women to come and, and receive these teachings for however they might land in your hearts, in your homes, in your communities and better what you've already, the foundation you've grown. So um, I just want to, I don't want anyone to feel like these teachings aren't for them. They are, they are. Absolutely. So we'll check them out and we'll share what Thank we you. learned from them. Uh, Patch, can you bring up that John comment? So John Patterson already responded to your answer. Uh, he says, uh, wow, I'm speechless. You will never know how much clarity you have given me in this moment. So I want to share that with you. So he took Thank your you, eternal John. conversation. And you touched him. Thank you very Thank much you. for that, Serena. He's special to us. John's really special to us. Nice to meet yes. you, John. <laughs> yeah, he's wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. And then I got one more question left, but I'm having a hard time reading it. So let me bring the author in. So, uh, hey, Island Jason, um, you had a question here. <laughs> Uh, you were asking something about school board. Do you want to ask her that question? Yeah, sure. I just want, uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty significant uh, accomplishment that my friend made here. She ran for school board trustee. And I think that's something that people, because of the way things have been going with this SOGI agenda, what she did was an example to, what I, I mean, here, I'm guilty. I, I, I wouldn't do it, but, you know, I, I think... <laughs> We need people to run in positions and do what she did. She stood up in when nobody else would. So I would like to hear that from her. Thanks for bringing me up. I'm going to mute my mic. Thank no you, Jason. Jason, first I want to say I love you, my friend. It's so good to see you. You guys, I want to just give a moment here before I answer yeah, with I Jason and give voice to that. Joyce, Jason here is one of the very first people from the public who supported me. He saw me out there, he and his his partner, Jen, they saw me up there speaking and they were touched, the both of them. And he came and, and he supported me. Jason literally made sure that I made it safely there and back each and every time I went to speak. And what this man has done for me and the security has provided me just in believing me and supporting me as a friend. I will never forget that. So thank you, Jason, first and foremost for that. You, you You've made a huge me- impact. You but this is the role of men and women. You stepped forward. And I remember you saying, and I hope you don't mind, I've been vulnerable. So now you get to be vulnerable too. But I remember yeah, you saying to me. Yeah, you're taking me with you too. You said, Serena, I don't, I'm not really a spiritual person. And I don't know what's going on here one day, you said to me. 
right? Yeah. Because of our experiences together and what we touched and, and it was such a profound time. And, and had I not had that support early on, I don't know that I would be where I am today giving voice. I wouldn't have had that school board trust. I wouldn't have had the courage to do that or, or have had the opportunity to wield my voice and, and to find my footing in this and to discover but, how to give voice. And so, but, but thank isn't you. It amaz isn't it amazing how we, like through avenues like Jason's show, we come together and we meet and we realize that we need to help each other. I mean, we've had, Serena and I have had, you know, quite a few adventures together and really we were perfect strangers we didn't know each other three years ago no no we no. did not but yet we we felt like brother and sister when we met didn't we, we it absolutely. was like we've known absolutely. each other always absolutely yes yeah. but you know what jason and this is how i want to answer what you brought forward this is what i want to say each and every one of us have walked a journey that has perfectly equipped us for who we are and what we're meant to carry and the ways you have supported me and the ways now that I'm being supported even today, these are instrumental from the comments to the questions to the, I was hurting this week. This week really hurt and it was hard. And I realized I can't continue to do this if I don't have community, but yet community need me to continue doing or we don't have community, right? Yeah. And, and so we are all important in this because everything that each and every one of us do supports each other to be able to give voice and do this. So we are all instrumental in this and never underestimate or play small in what you bring and what your contribution is. Because sometimes people, they'll send me these messages and they'll tell me how I've touched them. And that's enough for me to get up the next day and say, no, <clears throat> this truth is important and, and they need this warrior, right? And if not me, then who? And time and time again, I need to know that my words are effective and making impact and change. And so it's it, no contribution is too small. And when I stepped up on that stage to be a school board trustee, they did not anticipate. <clears throat> I literally had people telling me to do this and wave back, step back from the microphone, step back. Because what came bellowing out of me? At first, everybody wanted to support me because... I came in a package that said I was an equity deserving minority. And so they wanted to raise my voice. Mm. Then when they realized what I was saying, they wanted to censor my voice. Mm -hmm. And that's when <clears throat> I did, I, I was targeted. That is for sure. Um, that's when my place in my community was changed. And it was, it was a whole other level from speaking out. From, and, and standing on that stage. But you know what? I saw it through and there were no losses because I got to give voice to discussions and conversations that weren't yet being had in those halls. And never, we can't weigh our losses and our wins the way we did previously. We can't because though there are no wins and losses. It's what seeds are planted in those moments and when they'll germinate. That's what it's about at this point. Beautiful. And Jason, I got a similar thing to say to you. Serena, you may not know this, but he's done the same thing to me. He came along, jumped in my chats, said nice things, very supportive. He went out to other podcasts, mentioned me in their chats, went out, reached out to other people, did the same thing, started helping out with clips, motivation, inspiration. 
hooked me up with you. Jason, you are a very special man. And I know yes, that Jen are. knows this too. So I want to echo everything Serena just said to you. Um, yeah, you're in here, you. brother. We haven't we haven't shaken hands yet, but I am very, very eager to do that very one well, one day very soon. And maybe I'll I'll shake or give big Serena a big hug as well. But look yeah, at this. I'm Serena. really I'm really happy. I'm really happy you got to have her on. I mean, she's yeah. everybody seems to be happy. Ev- never fails to impress me. Now let me bring another <laughs> special person to the table here. She's not going to jump on here, but her chat is here. So don't worry, we won't have to squish four people on the screen. But let's go ahead and break up that Betty chat, the Betty comment. So I don't know if you know who Betty Carbert is, but she's a mother, Chris Carbert, one of the Coots men. Oh. She is touched by you. She wanted you to know, Serena. I have been, I have seen a few of your podcasts, and I think you're an incredible person. Keep moving forward, Serena. This is another one of the angels here. Uh, I know. She I know. I, I was actually one warrior. of the very first. I'm going to tell you right now what they started doing with grandma, granny, granny there and, and the families. I was one of the first ones who actually gave voice. And I actually called out in a very controversial TikTok all of our, what did I call them? Freedom movement super celebrities and our responsibility to our political prisoners. I used my platform to give voice to what those amazing souls, Betty and 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 granny and all of them what they're doing and and what they've taken on to stand for these families because that could be you that could be me that could be Mm -hmm. any of us any of us and so that is so important and you know what all my love to those families i i am always following always listening and however i can support i always do i've also participated in some of their fundraisers and (sighs) thank you betty and betty wants to say hello to jason as well thank you for supporting thank you betty I've sent Chris a couple of letters and uh, I'm wishing the best for him. I love you, Betty. Yeah, yeah you got to meet her. So October 25th, Jason and Serena, if you can get down here, you might be October able to meet. 25th? Jason, October let's 25th. do a road trip. <laughs> yeah, it's Lethbridge. It's going to be did, uh, Chris Garber's bail hearing. But did you see gas was $2.10 a liter today? So if you're paying, I'll go. We'll get you some gas cards. Don't you worry. We'll fill up that tank. And Betty's saying thank you. If for we can crowdfund it, we'll be there. <laughs> we'll get you there, guys. Yeah. If you can, if you have the time, uh, we'll get you there. All right, beautiful. You got to go because my phone's gonna die, and I got to get to my next meeting. Yes, but I, I, I got to run as well. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you, Jason. It's always a pleasure, and I love you, my brother. And thank I look you. forward to our conversations down the road, both of you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you Call very me. much. God bless you so much. Thank you, Serena. Thank and you. Take I've care, lost Jason. Sound Thanks again. for popping on. Okay, but we love you. We're sending it to you. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. I do got to go. Lots of love to you all. How do I got to leave now? Okay, thank you. I'll, I'll let you off. I'll get you off. Yeah, there we go.